Welcome, Middle Earth Wanderers. First, I want to appreciate all of you for listening to this podcast. We just crossed 25,000 total downloads a couple of days ago, and that's thanks to you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for sharing with your fellow Tolkien fan friends. Thank you for your ratings and reviews, and thank you for listening. We'll continue to wander Middle Earth together for the next 25,000 downloads and beyond. And if you're feeling as generous as a hobbit and less stingy than a dwarf, your financial support for this show is encouraging. Using the links in the show notes, you can purchase from Amazon any of the books I typically reference in these episodes. Or you can access my Red Circle page and provide a donation there. Just tap the link in the show notes. A big shout out to listener Troy B. for his recent donation. Thank you so much. Today's journey will take us into the history and background of the main bad guy of the Third Age of Middle-Earth, the immortal Maya, corrupted by Melkor, who lusted for domination and channeled his power into a ring, Sauron the Deceiver. Welcome! In the Lore of the Rings podcast, we wander the world of J.R.R. Tolkien by exploring the foundational epic stories from the deep past of Middle-Earth. If you enjoyed Tolkien's books, or maybe Peter Jackson's movies, or perhaps you're excited for Amazon Studios' new series, The Rings of Power, and you want to dive deeper into the rich world of Middle-Earth, then listen and subscribe. Bagovanian, fellow wanderers! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode date is August 25. We are one week away from the debut of Amazon's Rings of Power series. I honestly can't believe that we're this close. I remember when Amazon first announced that they had bought the rights almost four years ago, and it's been an unexpected journey since then, sometimes even feeling like a journey in the dark. But we're almost there and back again, barrel riders. On this day in Middle-earth, in the year 2941, Bilbo is living in hiding as the doors have been captured by the elves of Mirkwood. In the year 3020, the Shire is enjoying a boomer crop yield due to the peace that has been restored. This is adapted from the Today in Middle-Earth History calendar on the OneRing.net. Sauron originated as one of the Maiar. The Maiar were a class of spiritual beings created by Iluvatar, and who served the more powerful class of beings known as the Valar. At first, Sauron followed after Aule, who was the chief smith and craftsman for the Valar. But Sauron was persuaded to follow Melkor, a.k.a. Morgoth, and, quote, he became the greatest and most trusted of the servants of the enemy, and the most perilous, for he could assume many forms. Sauron would never leave the service of Morgoth, and, quote, walked behind him on the same ruinous path down into the void. For reference, other characters in Middle-earth were also from the Maiar. This includes Melian and Doriath, the Eagles, the Ents, the Balrogs, as well as the Astari, the Wizards, like Gandalf and Saruman. But even beings in the same class are not exactly the same. They each have different gifts, preferences, and proclivities. And for Sauron, if at first he had the desire to craft and create, that desire was soon turned to lust for power and domination. We get a few glimpses of Sauron in the First Age. His first major task is to command the fortress of Angband as a western defense, should the Valar decide to strike with war on Morgoth's fortress Atumno. He was also aware of the march of the newly awakened elves, when they were summoned by the Valar to come to Valinor, causing sickness, accidents, and many deaths along the way. 
not to mention creating cruel and cold winters that the elves had to endure. The Valar eventually did strike against Morgoth, and Sauron made a feint of defense at Angband before retreating to Morgoth's stronghold. When the second-born children of Iluvatar awoke, men, Sauron was left in charge of the war while Morgoth attempted to corrupt them, and in time Sauron himself would succeed in corrupting men to the worship of the Dark, something that he would repeat thousands of years later in the kingdom of Numenor. Thus, the men of the First Age would later tell the elves that they were fleeing a shadow behind them on their journey to the west. After the Battle of Sudden Flame, Sauron assailed the fortress of Minas Tirith, which had been built by Finrod and was currently under the command of Orodreth, both brothers, to Galadriel. While he held command of this tower, he deceived one of Baron's companions into giving up the location of their band of warriors, and he later waylaid Baron and Finrod on their quest to reclaim a Silmaril. They had been traveling under disguises woven by Finrod's power, and after a contest of song, in which Sauron invoked the regretful memory of the kinslaying, Finrod's disguises were stripped away. When Luthien came to free Baron, she overpowered Sauron with the help of Juan the Hound. She demanded mastery of the tower, or, quote, Sauron would be stripped of his raiment of flesh, and his ghost be sent quaking back to Morgoth. And she said, There everlastingly thy naked self shall endure the torment of his scorn, pierced by his eyes. Man, I love that threat by Luthien. But this humiliation is one source of the hatred Sauron would later feel for Luthien's descendants, the Numenorians. After this defeat, at the hands of an elf maiden, Sauron doesn't really show up in the First Age again. When the Valar finally overthrow Morgoth, Sauron again assumes a fair and noble form, and attempts to repent before the Herald of the Valar. However, he is commanded to return to Valinor and there face judgment from the Valar. He was, quote, ashamed and unwilling to return in humiliation. So he left and hid himself in Middle-earth for a time, but, quote, he fell back into evil, for the bonds that Morgoth had laid upon him were very strong. And in the Second and Third Ages, after Morgoth's fall, Sauron, quote, rose like a shadow of Morgoth and a ghost of his malice. With Morgoth overthrown, Sauron took a patient approach to accomplishing his designs in the Second Age. After roughly 1,000 years, he had built up enough forces to establish Mordor as his realm, and built the Tower of Barad-dûr. In that time, he had corrupted many races of men, and had started to gather others of Morgoth's servants into his service. In The Nature of Middle-earth, we read, quote, In the Second Age, Sauron, when he turned back to evil, had gathered to his service all the orcs that were scattered far and wide in the northern world, cowed and masterless, furtive lurkers in dark places. He rekindled the lusts of their black hearts, and to some he showed favor and fed them lavishly, breeding and training them into tribes of strong and cruel warriors. I appreciate this defeated nature of the orcs in the Second Age. Their creator, or rather corrupter, Morgoth, had been taken captive by the Valar, and without him they were scattered and leaderless. Quote, the orcs of various kinds, creatures of Morgoth, were to prove the most numerous and terrible of his soldiers and servants, but great hosts of them had been destroyed in the war against Morgoth. Some remnant had escaped to hiding in the northern parts of the Misty Mountains. But you may be surprised to hear that not all orcs were under the command of Sauron in the Second Age. If you remember from my recent episode, Sauron had also established himself in his fair form of Anatar, with the elves in Eregion. His goal was to subvert the elves to his will, and he succeeded slightly with Celebrimbor and other elven smiths by teaching them knowledge, and especially knowledge about the crafting of powerful rings. But because of his attempt to deceive the elves and his necessary fair form and need to hide his gathering armies of orcs, there were other races of orcs who, quote, were not subservient to Sauron, 
while he was obliged for the cousining of western men and elves to wear as fair a form and countenance as he could, they despised him and laughed at him. It's hard to imagine tribes of orcs despising and even laughing at Sauron, but these orcs dwelt, quote, further east and were stronger, descendants of Morgoth's kingship, but long masterless. They were yet wild and ungovernable, preying upon one another and upon men. Neither had these eastern orcs, quote, experienced the power and terror of the elves, or the valor of the good men, and so they long denied Sauron's attempts to rule them. So after Sauron created the One Ring, and his disguise fell and he was made known to the elves, it took him nearly 100 years to strengthen his army enough to war against Eregion, partly because of these unruly orcs in the east. As for the rest of Sauron's dealing in the Second and Third Ages, we've covered those recently in episodes 36, 38, 40, and 41, so go give those a listen for a refresher. But I have two more tales for you concerning Sauron, one about Gandalf's guests at Sauron's original strategy for war, and one about the skeleton that Aragorn encounters in the Paths of the Dead. We'll get to those right after this break. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's examine Sauron's greatest mistake of the Third Age. To do so, let's look in Tolkien's book called Unfinished Tales, where we find a tale recorded by Frodo as Gandalf is talking, after Aragorn's coronation. Gandalf is reflecting on the quest of Erebor, that is, the lonely mountain that Gandalf encouraged the dwarves to reclaim from the dragon Smaug. Gandalf claims that he knew Sauron had risen again and would soon declare himself openly that he was preparing for war. Gandalf says, quote, How would he begin? Would he try first to reoccupy Mordor, or would he first attack the chief strongholds of his enemies? I thought then, and I am sure now, that to attack Lorien and Rivendell, as soon as he was strong enough, was his original plan. It would have been a much better plan for him, and much worse for us. Gandalf's theory here explains why Sauron, as he was regaining his power after falling into the abyss of Numenor's drowning, took up the fortress of Dol Guldur in the forest of Mirkwood, rather than going straight back to Mordor. Gandalf surmised that Sauron's first strategic move would have been against Lorien, striking at Celeborn and Galadriel, and then move on to Rivendell, taking out Elrond. Gandalf knew the defenses for good were scanty in that part of Middle-earth, and, quote, the dragon, being smog, Sauron might use with terrible effect. Gandalf was trying to find a way to deal with the dragon, when he had a chance meeting with Thorin Oakenshield, and the quest for Erebor was begun. That story is told in The Hobbit. But the story that is not told in The Hobbit, only hinted at, and actually shown in Peter Jackson's Hobbit movies, is that Gandalf, quote, persuaded the council to attack Dol Guldur first, before Sauron attacked Lorien. They did, and Sauron fled. But he was also prepared, and after ten years in Mordor, Sauron declared himself openly. Gandalf says this, quote, Then everything grew dark, and yet that was not his original plan, and it was in the end a mistake. If Sauron had been successful with his original plan, Lorien and Rivendell would have been left in ruins. As Gandalf further says, quote, 
Resistance still had somewhere it could take counsel free from the shadow. How could the ring-bearer have escaped if there had been no Lorien or Rivendell? And those places might have fallen, I think, if Sauron had thrown all his power against them first and not spent more than half of it in the assault on Gondor. So there it is. Because of Gandalf's vigilance and Sauron's strategic mistakes, Smaug was defeated, dwarves and men established new kingdoms in the north to fight against Sauron, Lorien and Rivendell remained to help the Ringbearer and his company escape the enemy, and yet Gondor took the hardest strike of the hammer, but would not have if Sauron's plans hadn't been foiled. One last tidbit of Sauron's influence over men, an evil deed he had done even from the earliest days of men's awakening, corrupting them to a false worship of the dark. Tolkien illustrated this firsthand in the story called Akalabeth in the Silmarillion, where Sauron corrupts the Numenorians to worship the dark, even building a temple and performing human sacrifices, attempting to stave off death. But let's start in The Return of the King, in the chapter The Passing of the Great Company, when Aragorn and his companions pass through the dark door into the paths of the dead. While on this chilling passage, they find the skeleton of a man, still in armor, and, quote, before him stood a stony door closed fast, his finger bones still clawing at the cracks. Aragorn says a few words before passing on, in part, quote, through all the long years he has lain at the door that he could not unlock. Whither does it lead? Why would he pass? None shall ever know. This paragraph chills me when I read it, and I remember from the very first time I did, I thought, where does it go? I wanted to know so badly, and for a long time that question was in my mental bucket labeled, things to ask Tolkien about Middle-earth when we get to chat in heaven. I thought Aragorn was right, none shall ever know. But Aragorn was wrong, and it all has to do with Sauron. It wasn't until I was researching this episode that I found a small footnote tucked away in an essay by Tolkien called The Rivers and Beacon Hills of Gondor, which is published in Carl Hostetter's book The Nature of Middle-earth. As you can imagine, with that title about rivers and hills, the essay is a little dry and quite flat. But Tolkien often wandered in his essays, and in this one he wandered into what he called ancient religious structures, particularly religious structures which had been built by the Men of Darkness. The Men of Darkness were men of Middle-earth that Sauron had corrupted into worshipping Morgoth and the Dark, and so convinced them to build temples for their worship, much like what he did in Numenor. These temples, built under Sauron's influence, were, quote, often in caverns in secret valleys of mountain regions, such as the dreadful halls and passages under the haunted mountain beyond the Dark Door, the Gate of the Dead, in Dunharrow. This special horror of the closed door before which the skeleton of Baldor was found was probably due to the fact that the door was the entrance to an evil temple hall to which Baldor had come, but the door was shut in his face, and the enemies that had followed him silently came up and broke his legs and left him to die in the darkness. Isn't that chilling? We often associate Sauron with his great armies of orcs or powers of deception, or with his lidless, intimidating eye that sees nearly all things. And for all those reasons, we fear Sauron, but we forget that Sauron had been corrupting men to evil ways even from the days of their first awakening. And in the darkness of the haunted mountain, a temple of evilness had likely been built. Did Baldor know what was behind that door? Was he attempting to worship the dark? Or was he simply lost in the darkness? However, to paraphrase Aragorn in the Paths of the Dead, quote, That is not our errand. Like the king and his company, we too will pass through darkness. For here again we see that major theme of Tolkien, as chilling and mysterious as the darkness of evil may be, good and light will pass through. In literature, Sauron is a singularly unique individual. Not only is he the character that gives Tolkien's novels and Legendarium its name, 
Sauron is the Lord of the Rings, after all, but Sauron isn't actually in any of the scenes in the published books. I know the movies give him some screen time, and usually as a giant eye in desperate need of moisturizing drops, and the Lord of the Rings books refer to the Dark Lord in many different names and places. But interestingly enough, we as a reader are never brought into the same room as Sauron the Deceiver. But one interesting scene shows the depth of power that Sauron held over his enemies. As the fellowship is dividing, Frodo sets on the stone seat Alnemonhen, the seat of seeing, and his gaze is unwillingly drawn to the east, where he sees the tower of Badadur, the fortress of Sauron. Quote, and suddenly he felt the eye. There was an eye in the dark tower that did not sleep. A fierce, eager will was there. It leapt towards him, almost like a finger he felt it, searching for him. Frodo falls from the seat and struggles between the powers of good and evil, the voice and the eye. But he was tormented by this short brush against Sauron's fierce will. And yet for all Sauron's power, his fear and warmongering, his depravity and corruption, for all that evil, he was still only a lieutenant, still only a ghost of the malice and hatred embodied in Morgoth. But let's end where we began. Tolkien was ever the optimist. Good conquers evil. And Sauron, defeated, would follow Morgoth, quote, on the same ruinous path down into the void. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.